This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're listening to this, could you please hit the follow or subscribe button? It helps us as a podcast more than you know, and we can reach a lot more farmers right across Australia. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Vice and let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Beyond the Record Keeping series with the team at Ag World. It's been a cracking episode so far. We started off with CEO Michael Gilbert all the way from Vancouver, Canada. And our last episode was with Tina Smith. He's with Macadamia Farm Management and really seeing how Ag World can play a part in their farm. So in this series, you'll see how they came to adopt the technology how they're collecting different data points and how they're record keeping to ensure that they can make a bit better decisions off the back of that data anyway. So don't listen to me, listen to the experts out in the paddocks and see how they go. But on today's episode, we've got a cracking guest with Michael Nichols as we dive into what I believe is our very first farmer from Tasmania. Always great to have a farmer on. Talking farms advice and passing a little bit on to you as well. So let's get into this episode. Michael Nichols, bloody good to have you on to the Farms Vice podcast on behalf of the Ag World series. Great to have a farmer from Tassie. Um, I think we've had one from King Island, but not Tasmania itself. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Beautiful, mate. So how's the weather down there at the moment? Quite wet, dry. What's it looking? Uh, it's, it has been incredibly dry. Um, 
but we've just had our first 50 mils of rain, which you might go, oh, that's, that's, that's nice, but we're probably 200 mils behind where we normally would be. Um, yeah, our average rainfall is about 12, 1250 mils a year. So last year we only got about 850, so it was a dry one. Pretty surreal just to even be talking about 1250 um, on, that's on average, isn't it, 1250? Yeah, it's on average, yep. What do you do when you go over? Uh, try and keep away from the paddocks because it's bloody wet. Yeah, <laughs> Well, mate, good to hear that you're having a pretty good season and you gave me a quick little tour before um, of what's happening on your farm. So thanks for that. Let's dive into a little bit of agribusiness. But before that, tell us about your connection and like how you got to running your farm, owning it there and what your background is. Yeah, no, well, um, it started with my parents. They immigrated from the UK in 1982. Um, I was born in 1983, so I'm Australian. Yep. Um, they they started off dairy farming and then they moved to the farm we're on now, which is at Sisters Creek, um, which was a sort of a mixed cropping beef farm. Yep. Um, my dad then started a, a, a poultry business as well as the, the farming operation. Uh, the poultry business has sort of grown and taken his time is concentrating on that now. And that then gave me an opportunity to step in and start running our, our farm. Um, we sort of we're on about a thousand acres, but out of that thousand acres, there's only about four hundred that's that's croppable. Um, we've got quite undulating, steep red ground. Um, you know, it's all very fertile, grade one agricultural land, which is nice. Um, you know, it's got a sub, you know, subsoil maybe down about a meter deep, I suppose, or a topsoil about a meter. So we're um, pretty blessed with that. Um, it's all red sort of clay, so it holds moisture nicely. Um, our 400 acres is fully irrigated um, and we also grow a, a quite a range of different crops. So we, we grow potatoes, onions, wheat, pyrethrum, poppies, barley, canola, um, buckwheat. Uh, we were processing peas, but I don't think we'll be doing them this year. Um, a bit of mustard as well um, for culinary use. Yep. Uh, so a bit, bit of everything, and then we've also got some beef cattle on the on the outsides where it's quite quite steep and uncroppable, and we've also got a bit of uh, pine plantation as well. And then the then there's about 250 acres of natural bush. You're right. So you're optimising your place pretty efficiently from poultry to crops and having every grain cereal on the shop shelf. Yeah, pretty well. That's and it, it's all about keeping the rotation. Um, diverse so that way we don't end up with a build-up of different diseases in the soil um, trying to give our uh, we've got about a six-year rotation going on the on the place at the moment yeah we you showed me before didn't you about your wheat crop that you had last season and you're going into potatoes now is that a decision based off what's going to help the potatoes thrive by the nutrients coming in or how does that work yeah well well really um on the northwest of Tassie, potatoes are king. Yep. Everything else is is well and truly second best. So everything basically revolves around the potatoes. And if you can get a stretch your rotation to about that six year mark, um, you'll certainly save uh, building up things like powdery powdery scab, um, rhizoctonia, um, you know, all those like common scab, um, 
yeah, all those, uh, or pink rot's another one. Those, they're the main diseases that can affect your potato yield and can mean whether you go processing, which means straight to the, straight, straight to the factory uh, for chips, or you end up going storage. If you get storage, you also get a storage bonus, which is worth quite a few dollars. So, so the longer the rotation, the less disease you get and the, the better your spuds will be. Um, and then we fit everything else around. The rotation basically builds itself from there. So who is it you designing your crop program, seeing what you're going to work, rest paddocks, or whether you do or not, you can just put a crop in. Your two crops a year down there? Uh, no, we're only we're only one crop because we, we grow wind, like everything's um, – Obviously, because we get the rainfall, we get quite a wet winter. So we grow winter wheat, winter canola, um, maybe winter barley, but we're finding that the spring barley is probably just as good as the winter barley um, with less disease in it. Um, but what we find is like typically our rotation will be potatoes uh, followed by wheat because wheat can um, handle the, the ground being fairly compact after the potatoes and you can still bog a paddock of wheat in and still get your 10 tonne. Yep. Um, and then after the after the wheat, because the wheat has that drying period over the winter, the ground can crack open naturally and um, start to, to break some of that hard compaction up. Then we might follow that with, say, a, a poppy or a pyrethrum, uh, then go on with an onion, and then we'll follow that with, say, a, a, a field pea. Uh, when I say field pea, that's, that's like a Simplot peas, which is um, green peas. Yep. So harvest, uh, green green vine harvested, and we follow that with then buckwheat. So you sort of get your two crops in one year there. Um, yeah, but it, it, again, it just depends on on what the season's doing and whether you can get get things in at the right time in between weather events. Yeah, 100%. And de- dealing with what you do on the amount of land that you have is pretty phenomenal um, and it could go either way for how you treat your land and come out the other end for yourself, winning the National Land Care Award. Yeah, that's right. So, so there is quite a few different sort of land care awards. So our actual award was called the, I have to look at the writing, which is bloody a uh, massive word, uh, Australian Government in Innovation Land Management Award. Yeah. Um, so basically that just meant that, um, oh, the reason we got that award was because we use grid sampling um, soil tests to do our, our soil testing. Um, so we use a, a firm which is in Victoria, Precision Ag Victoria. Um, yep. They come down with their little buggy and do their do their thing. Um, we sort of custom made our our grid samples now, so we now do two samples per hectare, um, down to a twenty centimetre core instead of a ten, um, and we're testing our pH, calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, and potash. Yeah. Um, that, that are the main five that we're testing because then we can, uh, with the with the pH, we can decide whether we put lime or dolomite on to to get our calcium magnesium ratio right. Um, and then we're we're obviously putting a lot of phosphorus on and and potassium, especially in front of potatoes and onions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's been working really well. Um, doing that that quite concentrated um, maps. Uh, most of our paddocks would be sitting around the eight to eight to ten hectares in size, so pretty small compared to what most people are used to. Um, I know when I did the um, a, a couple of leaders programs, 
and I caught up with a few broadacre guys. They couldn't believe that I'd be harvesting paddocks that might only be two or three hectares in size. And they said, well, that's that's normally your turnaround paddock or your, your truck stop paddock. Um, yeah, so that's, that's sort of a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, so when we, when we do the soil mapping and we get the map back, uh, you wouldn't think there'd be such a variation over a, a farm that might have been cropped for maybe 70, 80 years with vegetables quite intensively. Um, but we're still finding that that every time we do it, we're saving money on our fertiliser application, um, you know, after we, we put in the prescription map. Um, most of the time we'd get a traditional soil test done where a, an agronomist will walk across the paddock and do a W shape grabbing a few few samples and then combining it all in and you just get a random um, number per paddock, which would sort of give you a bit of a, a rough idea. But now that we've gone down the um, precision line with the grid sampling, it's just chalk and cheese that, that, that we now know where the levels are high, where they're low. Um, traditionally, we'd, we'd be putting on, say, a, a tonne of 0710, which is basically just uh, potash and uh, single super mixed together. Yep. Um, you'd be putting a ton of that on as a as a pre-spread and and now that we've done this map we we might have areas that we put zero potash on and we might then put 800 kilos of potash on in certain areas as well so it's it's still quite variable um the other advantage we've got is we've only got one soil type yep. so it's all red red basalt but but because we've got quite steep hills um that we're farming on uh, a lot of our um our movements are all to do with where um, water's going to flow because of the topography. Um, so when the, the obviously the gullies uh, end up being quite nutrient rich and the and the hillsides become quite you know quite barren. Yep. Um, and by doing the variable rate, we've actually improving our yields in the gullies because we'd find the gullies would either say rot out or get higher disease levels or even septoria or they'd get eye spot in wheat and the, the crop would lodge really badly in there in the gullies and and now we're finding that we're we're not we're getting a nice even crop across the entire platform or across the entire paddock now um the same in the gully as it is on the top of the hill now with your variable rate yeah it's, it's we're getting a lot closer and obviously we're also um um mapping the 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 harvest, anything that's through the through the combine. So we have a, a class Lexian um, combine, and that's what's uh, doing a yield map as we go across. So be before we were doing um, precision um, grid sampling, we we're finding there was about a forty percent variation across the paddocks um, yep. from the highest from the highest yield to the lowest. Yep. Um, once we started doing the grid sampling, we we actually reduced that down to about a twenty percent variation. So we were getting a lot more concentrated um, towards the higher end of the, the scale, um, which I guess then led us into, you know, entering a couple of things, uh, competitions um, for, for wheat, barley and canola. And uh, we actually still, at, at the moment, we still currently hold the Australian wheat record, which is 13.1 tonne to the hectare over our 16 hectare paddock. Um, which was basically put down to the, the grid sampling and being more efficient and more precise with our applications of fertilizer. Yeah, it comes down to a lot of things, doesn't it? I'd imagine a few listeners on the podcast would be a bit jealous of your 13.1 tonne to a hectare. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, it does come with different challenges. Um, yep. ours, ours is moisture. Yeah. Um, 
moisture for us is a is a nightmare if i um, had to deliver all of my wheat to the the grain merchants at 12 and a half percent out of the 3,000 ton i harvested this year that'd probably only be 150 ton that would make the grade you're right um, everything so else is going uh well it's more just um aeration through through our silos yep um they just that that turns on when the humidity gets below 60 percent um which is a drying air then after that um and we find that by getting the the the, the air going through we'll, we'll bring the grain down to 12 and a half to a sellable level but yep. um like i say um moisture because we're only probably four or five kilometers from the ocean um Plus, the other problem is our grain size is is around the 55 to 60 gram thousand grain weight, which is a very big grain. So, therefore, it takes an extra long to dry out. Yeah. Um, and with the with the coastal conditions, it's very hard to get the moisture down to that 12 and a half. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, it sounds like there's a lot going on. Um, great to hear that close to the coast. It's pretty cool to be close as a farmer. Where we are, five hours away from the coast, it's quite good for yourself, I'd imagine. But... For yourself, that grid samples, how often are you actually taking samples to see whether you've improved nutrients? Is it before every crop, once a year? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. We've we've um pretty well got it. So we, we're doing it in front of our potatoes and in front of our onions. So it seems to be every three to four years we're doing a doing the paddock. Um, mainly because they're our highest fertilizer user. So therefore I get my best bang for buck um, to reduce my um, fertilizer rates um, by using the highest input crops um, and and on average what we've worked out over the last five years is on average we're saving around the twenty thousand dollars a year in fertilizer um, just by doing the prescriptions that we've been doing um, and with the way that the bloody price is going up at the moment i wouldn't be surprised it's probably more like forty thousand for this coming season because um, fertilizer prices are just you know, it's just phenomenal i can't believe they've gone up as as high as they have in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it did skyrocket up there. Um, it's held up there pretty well for a bit. I'm not sure about Tassie, but maybe is it more expensive down in Tassie because you get it from mainland? I would say so. I know that um, I've only got a couple of current prices on some uh, MAP, which was uh, $1,600 a tonne. Yep. Um, DAP was $1,650. And the the urea was sitting at about seventeen fifty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so, our urea is around fifteen hundred in like Dubbo area. Yep. Um. So not not too different for being down in Tasmania. Um. But for yourself, like coming on to your farm and looking for where you can be more efficient using ag tech to actually facilitate that. Um. You've been using ag world for your farm, how has that actually played a role in cutting your fertilisers or just managing your paddocks, um, both with yourself and your employees, your family? How has that actually worked out for you? Um, yeah, so really it's, it's, it's more about just time management and, and planning. And, and that's where we've, we've always had some sort of electronic record keeping. Yep. Um, we, were, we were using another a platform before, before this one. Um, but the, the old one wasn't moving up with the new technology. It was all sort of more desktop based rather than actual on, on smart devices. Um, and, and the other thing was, uh, we, we have around five different agronomists that, that 
come onto our property managing the different crops like poppies have one agronomist uh pyrethrum have another agronomist we've got the potato and onion agronomists then we've got the cereal agronomist pardon what's pyrethrum uh pyrethrum is a it's like a daisy and you uh that's where they get pyrethroid from which is in the fly spray um so it's like a natural fly spray yeah very um, yeah so just another another crop well, it's, it's, I guess it's it's sort of like a, a chemical crop, like um, poppies are, where they're extracting a, a extracting a chemical from it. Yep. Um, yeah. So so with the um so so with all the the, the different agronomists coming on, obviously that makes um, organising your spray schedule a bloody nightmare. Yep. Um, having selective herbicides going on certain crops that'll kill another crop. So I'm also a spray contractor. Um, so we do our place as well as about three other local farmers in the area. Yep. Um, all the agronomists are using AgWorld um, as part of their platform to write recs out. So having that platform meant that I didn't have to have the paperwork in the cab and I could manage my, my spray day a lot easier um, because it all came to the one, you know, it's, it's all there on the iPad in front of you yep. rather than trying to gather it so many wrecks together um all paper wrecks that end up getting lost or, or or filthy dirty because you you've got muddy boots or whatever else is going on yeah how's um, it work as a yeah. contractor um using ag world do you go on and utilize their dashboard um yeah so i've got a i've got a different subscription for my contractor um yeah obviously my contractor um clients so that mean that means that I can have multiple um, um, farms on yep. there with all the with all the the paddock names and and where the where the paddocks actually are because that's half the battle is knowing where you're actually going and making sure you're spraying the right paddock. Yep. Um, like obviously when when you come to onions you might go in there 18 times. I think uh, pyrethrum's a horrendous one. That's about 22 times. Um, it's it's a lot of yeah. There's there's a lot of work getting everything right but you've also got to then keep the records for the qa systems that go on behind the scenes as well and and by having um you know by entering the recs as you're going um converting a, a recommendation to an actual um you know completed job just makes it so much easier because while you're waiting for your spray rig to fill up you can just be um entering in you know what your spray rate's going to be what chemicals you've used what the what the rates are um you can double check the labels um you know, all on that one one platform. Um, you've also got access to all your MSDSs, which which they were a real nightmare before AgWorld because you used to have to have printout copies in the in the spray shed. So we'd have two two booklets that were probably about this deep in size. Just um, you know, trying to keep them keep you know keep the QA guys happy. Um, but now it's all on the one platform. It's a lot easier. So. Um, and then, then you can also then put in the weather conditions once you once you once you're doing the job, yeah. and then that also then covers your ass when somebody says, "Oh, you, you're spraying in the unfavourable weather." Well, you can say, "No, I actually was spraying at this time, and this is what the local weather station said." Um, you know, so you've you've sort of got that bit of um, ass covering going on as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the sooner a farmer reduces their paper clutter. Um, and goes for digital record keeping, especially for spraying and how you're dealing with different people all the time and you're going into your paddock 22 times um, for certain crops. 
that makes it like the communication, probably reducing the communication is probably one of the best, um, the value that comes from ag world, would you not? Oh, absolutely. And, and it also helps the agronomists out. Yeah. Because they, because they, they have access to, or, you know, you can limit to whatever access you want your agronomist to have. Yep. But even if it's just a, a view access, they can actually see, did you actually get that wreck on when they told you to get that on or are you two wrecks behind? Um, and do they need to do a review on, on another wreck that, that you haven't got onto yet? Um, so therefore they've, they've sort of got a bit of an idea of where they're actually at um, in their own mind for the paddock that they're, they're meant to be looking after. Um, so it's, it sort of helps because like you say, with communication, it's, it's, they can log on, see exactly where the paddock is, see that you're, you know, the weather hasn't been favorable. You haven't got the record that they thought was on and they can then make a modification and, and, and say, Oh, we can up the rate now because the plants are a bit bigger. Yeah, definitely. Just what you want. For yourself, though, like how Ag World, what are three three things that um you have seen that's improved your efficiencies and productivity as a team on farm there? Yeah, well, I would say some of the the, the planning that you can go in behind the scenes. You can do your um, next year's rotation, um, or like we were normally two or three rotations in front of ourselves all the time, um, which then makes planning for say putting in cover crops. Um, that type of thing um, a lot easier because you can then start organising your seed that you need when you when you aren't busy yep. um, to, to make sure you've got it ready to go when you when you want it. Um, also, even just ordering um, chemicals for the season, you can sort of you know uh, do a report on your chemical usage, and it will then show you how much chemical you used on all your crops. And if you're still growing that same area, then you know that you you can sort of put a bit of a, an order in for say eighty percent of your chemical. Um, and know that you've got that up your sleeve ready to go without having to go down, you know, chasing a whole heap of invoices um, through all the different chemical suppliers to, to find out how many how many litres of um, glyphosate you used or how many litres of, of, of spray seed or any of those products. It's all, it's all there on AgWorld. Um, and then the other thing that's really nice is the snapshot that they provide. So with all our, our paddocks, we've probably got about 15 to 20 different paddocks um, you can quickly open up the paddock, click on the, the snapshot. Um, you can see the agronomy snapshot or you can see the um, financial snapshot. So you know exactly how much dollars you've spent per hectare on growing that crop to the, you know, to the current date, yeah. um, which is quite critical to know when, um, like especially on the growing, like vegetable growing side of things, prices can, you know, really destroy your gross margins very quickly if you're not on top of them. Um, and you can quite easily see, you know, have I, have I, am I overspending on my fertilizer budget? Am I overspending on some fungicides? Do I need to start, you know, going into some cheaper ones or um, just, just keeping an eye on everything really. So that way you, you know, whether the, or even some of the crops start to become unviable to grow um, because there's not enough dollars in them compared to the inputs that have gone up. Yeah. I've seen that like right across the board, um, Turner Smith from, Bundaberg, he's running macadamias and is seeing the same impact of what you're having, um, but with completely different crops as well. Yeah, that's that's it, and and I think that's critical going into the in, you know into the future. Like um, I know that we've been doing some budgets, which um, I'm just sort of get, been getting my head around how the ag world budgets are working, yep. and um, 
I haven't really played with them before, but but now that we've we've got one from last year, which I could then make a, a duplicate copy of, and just lift the prices of what everything was going to be, and it it really shocked me on on what our wheat gross margins were looking at being, just by if I ran exactly the same program as last year, just with the rising input costs, I, I realised there was going to be another eight hundred dollars a hectare, or even up to a thousand dollars a hectare spent on on getting exactly the same crop as this year, um, which then starts to really make you um, think, well, what can I cut out of this to, to, to keep the margins where they need to be? Yeah, it just makes it that little bit more simpler to find these trends, uh, whether they're good or bad ones, so you can optimise like what you're doing on your farm and just really get the details down on your efficiencies and so we can become a bit more productive because our margins are quite low and we need to be able to save ourselves as well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Exactly. So. Agworld connects growers, their staff, agronomists and contractors on one easy to use farm management platform. By capturing farm data on Agworld, users have key information at their fingertips at all times for managing a more data driven, efficient and profitable farm business. Contact Agworld today to find out more. And back to the episode. For yourself, as like one of the challenges with ag tech in Australia and probably across the world as well, for farmers and adopting the different platforms that might be working for them after, showcasing that value is quite hard. How how did you come across ag world and like what, what was your reasons for adopting it in the first place? Yeah, well, like I say, the um, the previous version that we were using was a was a different platform, and like I say, they didn't they it wasn't user friendly. Um, like you couldn't use it in the middle of your farm. Um, we looked at quite a few different options before we went down the Agworld line, and, and a lot of them didn't quite suit our our high cropping um, uh, our, our high cropping uh, system. Um, and, and ag world seemed to to cope with that um, and and I also like the fact that it's it's available now it's um, you know you can really if, if you put all your data in correctly you get very very good um, you know cost of productions out of your out of ag world yeah and I, and I think that was the I think that was the main the main thing was the usability um, while while in your tractor or or in the spray shed um you know um and and i because because i've only got um one full-time fella that works for us we've we sort of haven't quite played with the um work orders just yet but that's something that we're going to look into this coming season um setting work orders out of where paddocks need to be worked or or jobs that need to be done and then we'll, we'll we'll hopefully have a bit of an, an idea of what that looks like in in sort of 12 months time and yeah, how that, that runs that would reduce the level of communication you'd need so he would just wake up and go do his job and just look down at the work order um is that how yeah. like you would want to roll it out to replace a yeah. Sort of yeah, I think either either sort of like that, or even just have a, a schedule of because most of the time, because we are such small paddocks, it's all very intense all the time. We never really get a break um, from doing what we're doing. Um, it might pri- be able to prioritise some things that that other people wouldn't see as a priority. 
but if you put certain dates in there or put reminders in that this has to be done by this date um, means that he doesn't go and do something something different first. Um, I reckon that's that's probably where where we'd see the benefit mostly. Yeah, I think prioritising a um, bit of an issue right across agriculture, I suppose, and what we're trying to dial down on our own family farm as well, just try what's the money makers and what's not, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Yep, exactly. Every other industry has deadlines and that they need to meet and that's where they get their their sales across the line and that's our sale, getting the commodity off and improving it as well as farmers. But yeah. For yourself, what would you tell another farmer that's looking like is just purely paper-based currently? They're looking to find something. They're not quite sure what to go for. What would you say to them to get them across the line or add Uh, to the other side of actually utilising it? Yeah, it is is quite a funny topic really because once you start going paperless and – online like it just it just seems such a no-brainer to do yeah yet there is still so many farmers on the northwest has that don't see the value in um you know in a in a digital platform and they're still using spray diaries and like i've just i just said to them like bottom line is i just i just hate filling out forms with a pen I'm also left-handed, so therefore I smudge everything I write anyway. In the club. Um, so, <laughs> so it's just, you know, and, and everything gets dirty because we're, you know, because because that's just what paper paper likes attracting dirt and it just looks messy and horrible. And and you can't do any reporting. So if you need to do any reporting or see, you've, you've got to then put that into a computer through an Excel program or or you add it up in columns and, and it's very, you know, like ancient old school technology really. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes, like it, but but the problem is, so many people are just not tech, sa- not tech savvy or don't want to do it, but it, it's actually not that hard. Um, and and I would say, hopefully, hopefully, with the way people have all got smartphones now and they've they've got more apps on them and they're using them more regularly, um, hopefully, it'll become a no a no brainer to, to just move on to it. I know, I know one of the things that probably some of the farmers on the northwest don't quite want to to go down that system and that's probably you know sometimes the cost can can put put a, a downer on it yeah. because they they might only run say you know 100 acres of crop a year um which which you sort of think well do you do you get a value you know if, you, if, you, if you've got to spend two thousand dollars for a program and you've only got 100 acres um that's quite a few dollars per per acre that you or per hectare that you've got to um you know, as, as an actual ongoing cost for running a, a, a program. Um, and, and maybe there could be a, a, a vegetable growers one or, or even just a, a, a size, you know, if, if you've only got 100, 100, 100 hectares, then then you get a, a, a discount on the rate. Um, yeah. might, might be a way to pick up more farmers in Tassie anyway because there's, 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 there's probably hundreds of farmers they could pick up and it's and it's not like you could lie about it because you've always got your paddock sizes and your maps that are already um, pre pre-designed and pre pre-mapped out. So um, it's not like you can fool the system because you'd rely on the paddocks being that size. Yeah, it'd be a bit sus if a hundred thousand acre farm was just said it was a hundred hectare farm or something like that. Yeah, that's that's right, exactly. So like you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, you, you 
yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think that could be one thing that does hold a few of the farmers back is that they don't want that. You know, to 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 get that across the line, they they two dollars two thousand dollars to them on a hundred acre or hundred hundred hectares is is probably quite a bit. Yeah, um, uh, understandable. And that leads me into the next question of what what you saw Ag World could adapt onto, like to further improve your farm. Was that one of the things that you thought would be good? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that. Um, like we've got quite a few, um, you know, a fair bit of machinery, yep. um, and, and like we're probably overcapitalized, like every single farm is. But because we've got the twelve hundred mils of rain a year, therefore timeliness of, of working ground and and sowing is is quite critical. And therefore, you end up buying machinery to do the job that you need to do in in a timely manner. Um, so so we have quite an array of of you know, of vehicles and, and also implements. Yeah. But it would be nice if, if maybe there was a, uh, that sort of a section on, on AgWorld that could actually do um, maintenance scheduling or you could just enter in all your, all your tractors um, and then put in when you've done a service and when the next service is due, uh, maybe all the filter numbers, you know, just having a bit of a, a, a fleet, well, not really a fleet um, recording system, but just a just an electronic recording system. Rather than you know, in the workshop, you just got to scrap your bit of paper that, or a, or a notebook that you you jot down to try and keep records of. Yeah. Um, you could actually you could actually have it on your phone when you go to get the filters. You can actually say, well, these are the filters I need because they're on the phone when you when you're at the store getting them. Um, and again, for the implements, you could, you know, if, if some of the implements are only a yearly service, you can actually have them pre-entered in there and you can tick it off every year you do the service. Just say service done. Yeah. Um, that would be quite a... All farmers would love that. Um, that's also sort of paper-based and also mine-based of, geez, we're not a last service, the tractor or what's the filter? Do I have one on stock or have to go get one mid-harvest? as well yeah that's right exactly so stop, stop you chasing your tail yeah that's right and and also just be able to keep an electronic record of it and not only that the, the employees would be able to see the, the thing as well because quite often we've got um you know my, my one fella he drives uh one tractor that's that's his all the time well when there's an issue with that i only know about it when i go to drive the tractor and i go oh the the windscreen wiper blades buggered on it again you know it could be something that he could just fill out and say, oh, there's an issue here or there's a bit of an oil leak here. Um, yeah, it could be sort of kept kept a little bit more on top of, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think like some farmers would look at that like nitpicking, but I think the more you dial down and more efficient you get, it's going to be better for both the employee and just becomes a bit more seamless, doesn't it? Coming yeah, right. And, it, and it's not like the employee's forgotten to do it. It's just that, He's thought about it at that time and then he's moved on with another job and therefore he's just forgotten to tell me that, that that's an issue and he knows it's an issue because as soon as he gets in it, he knows it's an issue. But, but um, like, and if you're working a paddock and you know there's some issues, well, you can probably even jot the issues down in the, you know, on the app to, as, as, a, as a bit of a note to, to remind you when you do get a wet day that you can sort of work on a few of these things. Yeah, but it sounds to me that you need your windscreen wipers down in Tassie. That's right. That's a critical one. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the next question was um, how you were tackling labour issues within Tasmania, but it sounds like you're 
pretty well off down there just using your one full-time employee don't need don't need extras throughout harvest no not not really because we 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 sort of use a few subcontractors that have got some trucks um like i say we're a very different system so i i do run a bit of a grain pool um for the local guys and we sell direct to some dairy farmers yep um which is all contracted and the the the, the i think there's 12 farmers in the grain pool and they're all within about 40 kilometers of of our depot um and because a lot of the paddocks are only small, it's not worth having a big chaser bin or a, a mother bin. So therefore, I have a lot of tandem trucks that hold about 12 to 14 tonne, yep. um, which is exactly two fills with my um, with my grain tank. So most of the trucks sit in the paddock for, for maybe 15 minutes. Yep. Um, um, so we just use, like I say, just tandem trucks, which we, we've sort of got about three or four local tandem trucks in the area that we use. Those, and then the, after the wheat's done, they then go on to spud carting. So that's why, so that's sort of, we're sort of using them in their downtime. Yep. Um, so that, that, that's where my labour, you know, force comes into it with, with harvest. Um, but I know there's a lot of like, there's a lot of other, like there's a lot of fruit picking that goes on in the area. There's a lot of dairy farmers in the area that are using, obviously have to use labour to, to milk cows and, and pick and also pick fruit from the berries. And I know that they, they certainly have been struggling to find people um, this year they haven't had the backpackers that there would be yep. um, like normal um, and they've had to rely on a lot more of the local labour and, and sometimes that local labour is probably not as skilled as you'd like them to be yep. so but yeah. it sounds like you're very well handled in that way and it's great to see like you can get the job done, it sounds like you must have a fair bit of equipment to get it done covering all of those crops I'm harvest time. Um, yeah. And it's also great to dive into your operation. Thanks for doing so. Appreciate not all farmers want to dive into the operation, but it's good to see. For yourself, though, piece of farms advice for anyone wanting to improve their own land care um, by utilising different technologies like AgWorld, how would you go about that? What would be your advice? Um, I, I would just say that starting off by just keeping basic records um on a on a digital platform would be a a a good start um but but it all comes down to uh, you just come back to basics basically just be timely on your applications get things in the ground when they need to get into the ground harvest when things are ready to harvest um it's surprising how how many people fail not because they're bad farmers it's because they're just bad time managers um so many people just either put things off too late or they or they don't get things done when it needs to be done and and that's as basic as you can get all the um all the extra stuff of of record keeping and time management or, or even just knowing what you've got to do is is you know that's that's fine tuning all of that and making that simpler, um, but but if you start gathering all these things together and and like I would say like if, if you if you can't get an average crop now, um, I'd be looking at back to basics. If you're getting average crops now and you want to take the next step up, then that's where your your precision ag stuff then comes in, like your grid sampling. Because that's they're only sort of a five or ten percent gain on what you you know you could do all the precision ag in the world, but if you don't put your chemical applications on on time, then 
you're never going to, you know, get the get the gains that you should be getting. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd just say that, you know, start with basics, get the basics right. Once you're ready to move on from the basics, then then start looking down the, the, the precision ag lines and, and starting to get more technical. Yeah, I think that time management is plenty of scope right across Australia for farmers to improve it, optimise. You don't have to be working 24, 24 hours in a day, 24-7. Um, but if you're working when it matters, getting the job done and utilising the tools in your toolbox, um, may it be your neighbour or a piece of ag tech as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the full system. Definitely. So. Well, Michael, thanks for coming on to the Funsize podcast and joining us for Beyond Record Keeping Series with Ag World. Sounds like you're utilising the tools in the toolbox pretty well and you're not a bad operator yourself down in Tasmania. No, thank you very much. Thank you. And for anyone that wants to like watch on Red Bank Farming, how can we do so? Are you online? Twitter? Yeah, I'm, I am on online. I'm, I'm, my Twitter is um, at mdnichols541. And on, I'm also on Facebook, which is just Michael Nichols. Um, but I'm probably not as good at entering stuff into it because I'm always too bloody busy to be doing it or I think about it and then I forget to actually upload it. Um, but I think that's, yeah, I think that's that's probably one thing I could probably improve a little bit more on and get, get some good, uh, I think the industry needs good stories out there and yeah, I think the social media thing is, is something that, that we could probably improve on and get some good stories you know, out there and what's what's actually going on on the farm as well. Yeah, I think Twitter's a really good one for farmers, asking questions, understand what's happening in the world. It's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Anyway, beautiful. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll talk to you further down the line, no doubt. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice Podcast. It is produced by Advertorise Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.